a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And, and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent, on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Layton. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk radio points. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm your host, Evan Gigline, with here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Good and morning, uh, Evan. today is Iron Preacher Day. Hey. And Iron Preacher is the homiletical game that we play uh, to uh, show uh, what should be at the heart and center of sermons. And how it works is I give, uh, give our contestants a text, and uh, they have about 10 minutes or so to work on a five-minute sermon, and they give it uh, here on the air. And judging this whole thing is Dr. Kyle Frickensher. He's a professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome, Dr. Frickensher. Great to be on again, Evan. Thank you so much. And the challenger for today's I Am Preacher is Pastor Jonathan Fisk. He's a pastor at St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania, and he's author of the vlog Worldview Everlasting, and you can check that out at worldvieweverlasting.blogspot.com. Welcome, Pastor Fisk. Hey, it's good to be here. All right, I will go ahead and get to the text right away so the preachers can begin working on their sermon. And the text for today is Matthew nineteen sixteen through 26. And the text reads like this. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When, his, when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. 
So that is the text for Iron Preacher. We'll get the, the preachers working on their sermon. They have about nine minutes from now to, uh, to finish up their sermon prep. In the meantime, we uh, are delighted to talk to Dr. Carl Frickenscher. He's a professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, Dr. Frickenscher, I was listening to the uh, local Christian talk station and uh, found myself listening to a sermon, and this particular preacher, whoever he was, uh, was talking about uh, in his sermon that, that our justification is won completely by Christ, by his work on the cross. But now in our lives, the work of sanctification is about living out uh, the, uh, our lives of obedience. That, that now, because of, because of what Christ has done, we now have the power to, uh, to be obedient. He said, you know, we, we won't be perfect. We'll mess up. We'll slip up and get forgiveness when we need it. But, but really, now what, that Christ has done this for us, we are empowered to uh, to do this this lives of obedience. How would you how would you critique a sermon like that? And what are we looking for in the sermons today? Well, that really is a good observation. I mean, that's a very helpful observation you've made in in hearing what was offered there because it has tremendous homiletical ramifications. If that were understood as as you've described it, it would mean essentially that our preaching should be like this. We would certainly want to declare our sinfulness, our need for Christ, the the law, and then the gospel, what Christ has done to give us eternal life by his death and resurrection. But once that would have been accomplished for a particular hearer, then from then on out, our preaching would essentially amount to, okay, now here are the things that you should do. Uh, They could be uh, five things we should do to be Uh, better fathers and and husbands. They would be five things we could do as citizens. We could give a lot of checklists, a lot of lists that we could follow for for things to carry out our sanctified life. And then the result would be that preaching, subsequent to bringing someone to faith by the gospel, would be all law. Uh, We call that third use of the law, and it is true that God's law also tells us what a good work looks like. We do need to hear that. But in order to do those things that the law prescribes, we continue to need the strength of Christ, God's power, which he gives us in the gospel. Because every one of us, even as believers, remains also an unbeliever. There are two people inside the Christian, the the new man and the old man, or the new woman, old woman. Because that, that old sinful person remains, we constantly need God's strength to struggle against that sinful nature. For example, uh, Luther in the Catechism makes a magnificent point about the significance of baptizing with water, where he says that that every day the old sinful nature, nature should be drowned and die. That is to say that we are constantly repenting of our sins, but realizing that in our baptisms we are forgiven again and again and again and again. And it's that message of the gospel... In this particular case, Luther's example, in our baptisms that enables the new man or the new woman to come forth daily and arise to do those good works, which, in fact, the, 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 the Christian wants to do. The mistake would be, then, in summary, to think that after a person becomes a believer in Christ, by the proclamation of the gospel, he no longer needs the gospel. All he needs, then, is further instruction. And, you know, that brings, actually, to mind one more observation my uh, my PhD is actually from a, a Baptist institution, and I, I take my hat off to Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, for uh, a marvelous uh, doctoral program. Uh, but one of the things I particularly remember was my advisor saying, you know, our problem as Baptists is we get them saved by the gospel, 
we try to keep them saved by the law. And he himself recognized the fallacy in that. I think that's a good summary, really, of the fallacy of the whole situation that you've raised in this example, Evan. Yep. Let me raise a, a different example that maybe would be far less uh, explicit. And that is you walk into your church and the, and the, the pastor uh, has a sermon today about love. And you think, well, well, love is such a wonderful thing. And he continues to talk about how... All you, know, you we, need is love. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, that, that, uh, okay, I'm going to turn Pastor Wolf later down. All right. Um, that, uh, should you be working on a sermon right now? <laughs> um, okay, I'm trying to pick up some hints with uh, Dr. Fakinsher there. I got a checklist now of things you got to do. I got it here. Checklist. <laughs> um, but he's preaching about love and, and talking about, you know... Uh, we're going to focus on loving your family today because because so many people are working too hard and 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 we fathers need to love uh, their wives and love their children and that's as far as a sermon goes is based centered on that theme that that, that would be the, the sermon theme if you will um, again with about uh, two minutes here how would you critique that kind of approach to a sermon mm-hmm. well again to love our neighbor especially those neighbors that are in our own family is certainly something that God commands. And it is something that the new man or woman inside us wants to do. When we become believers in Christ and that new person is created, we desire to keep the law. And the law is summarized beautifully in loving God and loving neighbor. However, as we said a moment ago, um, if a sermon does nothing but give the imperative, in, in many ways, many, many winsome, convincing ways that we should love our children, our families, and so on. Uh, It does not give us, at least that sermon itself, does not give us the power to do those things that we truly desire to do. And again, the problem is that the old sinful nature in us resists all the time. That's actually a very popular kind of preaching, uh, to to give that list of things to do, and we realize they're good things, absolutely. Absolutely. that, that kind of preaching will actually make a preacher himself very popular. But unfortunately, one of the reasons it makes the preacher popular is because it appeals to the old sinful nature in us. See, the old man or the old woman inside us wants to be in control, just as Eve really wanted to be God in the garden when she took of that forbidden fruit. Uh, as long as preaching continues to make us the commanders, puts us in charge, like, here's the list of things to do, now you go do it, the sinful nature will love it, and often that'll make a preacher very, very well received. Uh, That makes it seductive. A preacher gets a lot of compliments for that kind of preaching. And so a preacher needs to be conscious of this and realize that he and his people are all sinful, and they continue to be helpless apart from the power of God working in them. And God gives his power to us, not in the law, but in the gospel. The announcement, the proclamation again and again and again of what God has done for us in giving Christ for our salvation. All right, that takes us to the end of the prep work for Iron Preacher. So the uh, preachers need to stop. And uh, after we get back from this break, we're going to listen to these sermons and listen to the critique uh, by Dr. Carl Fakensher. You're listening to Iron Preacher only on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If I had a million Come on. 
Table Talk Radio, the low-calorie Lutheran radio game show. Well, we can see that the world is full of greed. There's so much hate, yet there is so much need. What should we do when no one seems to care? What can we do when there is no love there? And then the preacher said of love. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. You are listening to the one and only Iron Preacher. And uh, we are about to listen to our first sermon. But first, I want to talk, talk, tell you about text message alerts from Table Talk Radio. If you have your cell phone there, just text message the word Table Talk, all one word without spaces, to the number 69302. That's Table Talk all together with no spaces, 69302, and you'll be signed up for text message alerts. And uh, a little later in the program, we we're having an LPG, a listener participation game, that Pastor Wolfman is going to give to you. Oh, we are? Yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. Um, <laughs> all right, no problem. Okay, we're going to do an LPG a little bit later. Uh, but it is time for Iron Preacher and the challenger for today's uh, Iron Preaching is Pastor Jonathan Fisk. He's the pastor of St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania. And he's authored the vlog Worldview Everlasting, available at worldvieweverlasting.blogspot.com. And Pastor Fisk, whenever you are ready. All right, here we go. Today's text from Matthew finds us moving with Jesus toward his destination in Jerusalem once again. And as you know, he's been increasingly insisting to his followers his need to engage the cross and die for the world. But no one understands this, and to make matters worse, Jesus has been teaching most of this time in parables. So hearing, they do not understand, and seeing, they do not perceive. But today, we find him speaking not in a parable, but plainly. A rich young man who truly desires to understand the way of Jesus asks him, Teacher, what good deed must I do to be saved? Jesus wastes no time here. You want to do something to be saved? You want to be good? Here, let me show you. Keep the commandments. Uh, maybe you don't know all of, all of these, but this young man did. Even so, he says, which ones? Dodging the question, eh? Well, Jesus makes it plain. You shall not murder, defile marriage, do not steal, do not lie, obey the authorities of the cosmic order. Oh, oh, and by the way, love your neighbor exactly as you love yourself. Is that all the young man says? Well, I've done that. Do I still lack something? It's fascinating to hear Jesus doesn't come right out and deny this little fib by this young man. Instead, he does what he always does. He ups the ante on his teaching. He goes further. Oh, you're perfect? Okay, prove it. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have great treasure, because you will be free to follow me. But the young man goes away sorrowful. He's rich. My guess is even you, where you are, maybe not having millions of dollars, could hardly have done much better. Leave everything you have and take whatever life Jesus gives you. Who could give away all of his material blessings? What man is so righteous so that he could lay down his very life and risk everything for God's promises alone? And Jesus says it very well. It is incredibly, terribly hard for a person with money to enter the reign of God. Easier to shove a giant camel through the eye of a tiny needle. Easier to fly to the moon and back on your own wings. Easier to raise yourself from the dead. This is what you must do if you want to save yourself according to the way of Jesus. This is what it takes. The righteousness true goodness, the everlasting goodness, which will be eternal life, takes total, utter, complete perfection. And when the apostles of our Lord who were listening to this hear this, they are astonished and amazed. This is impossible. Who can save themselves? Thanks be to God that right then Jesus has an answer that is good news 
and not lost. You can't save yourself, no, but God can. And as we will see in the coming weeks, as Jesus continues to go to the cross, who is good? Who can give all for the promises? Who can justify the world on his very back? Who can rise from the dead? None other than our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the promise which you have now already in your baptism. This is the promise which he sends you away today into your life once again. And then the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Fisk. Man, what a sermon. I, I think uh, Pastor Wolfman is shaking in his boots. Uh, Dr. Verkensha, your critique of Jonathan uh, Fisk's sermon. That was a dynamite five-minute sermon, as a matter of fact. Uh, first of all, it was very textual. I really appreciated the fact that Pastor Fisk laid out the text uh, in beautiful, clear terms. And I, and I think that's something we perhaps forget and underappreciate. I, I think we assume sometimes that our hearers understand or at least know the, the facts or the story or the major elements of the text as well as we do, when in fact we've been working with the text all week. We maybe preached the text three years ago, and our, our own members don't, don't read their Bibles as often as we would like. So I think to, to give a, a clear exposition of the text is, is very important, and that was done very nicely. Uh, the next thing I always want to hear is a clear point, a single clear point being made, and of course it should be uh, the point that the text is making. And I think Pastor Fisk did that beautifully as well. I, I think as I look at this text, uh, the, the thing that comes across to me very clearly is that it turns out, despite what we might think, despite what the rich young man thought, to be impossible, impossible to do the things that would earn our own salvation. Now, Jesus had to do a little digging with this rich young man uh, to get through the initial layers to that thing which made the impossibility clear. But it sure came across, didn't it? The thing that was the hot button for this young man, Jesus touched, uh, his riches. And as soon as that became the issue, it was then quite clear to the young man that he was not capable of doing this. Well, in fact, none of us would be ever capable of earning our own salvation. And I think uh, Pastor Fisk made a, a good point of comparison. He listed several examples like it's easier to fly the moon or it's easier to raise ourselves from the dead. Uh, it is impossible, but with God, it is possible. And that is where the gospel becomes very, very clear. Um, Pastor Fisk made reference to the ongoing uh, trek of Jesus from here to the cross in Jerusalem. Uh, and that's the one thing I think I would have liked to hear a little bit more explicitly. The implica implication was very clear that it was by going to the cross that Jesus would do the impossible for us. But I think it would have been helpful to make that a bit more explicit, uh, to lay that out in very, very clear terms, that what Jesus did when he reached his destination, going to the cross, dying for us, is the thing that has done the impossible. I appreciated Pastor Fisk's connection uh, in baptism, that it was here in baptism that we are given the blessings of the cross. But I do always stress that it's crucial to make clear that the sacraments give us what the cross earned. So the sacraments should always be declared as the delivery of a specific historical event, Jesus' death and resurrection. So overall, uh, I thought this was an excellent, excellent job. Very textual, uh, a clear theme, a point well made. Uh, the gospel certainly winning out over the impossibility of the law. My only real suggestion would be to make the heart of the gospel, the cross, a little more explicit rather than assuming that we put two and two together there. 
I, I'm looking at the Table Talk Radio webcam, and I see beads of sweat rolling down the, <laughs> the face of, of the Iron Preacher. It may be another uh, Iron Preacher defeat. Um, I know. Dr. I know. Kincher, th- I this so. is a text that uh, I think <laughs> that people oftentimes take out of context, which is kind of ironic because oftentimes when people take a text out of, out of context, then they're actually arguing against the very thing that it says. But sometimes I think people take this to that you know someone asks Jesus, uh, what must I do uh, to get eternal life? And hey, look, the, the direct answer is obey the commandments. Uh, this this would give an idea if, if without taking it in the context that uh, that if by obeying the commandments you you can uh, inherit eternal life. Um, so maybe talk about for a moment the, the importance of of context. Sure, that's true. Well, you know the fact is, if we were to keep God's law perfectly, we would have eternal life as a result of that. The problem is, since we fell into sin, we have become incapable not just of doing all the right things and not even abstaining from all the wrong things, but original sin, the sin we have inherited from Adam and Eve, is actually real sin that totally corrupts us and condemns us before we literally take a breath outside our mother's womb. And all of that is an an important context to understand. If we don't recognize in this particular case how helpless we are to do this thing, we might think, out of context, that Jesus really was giving uh, a prescription that we should now take away from this text and and, and try to live up to. Uh, Fully understood here, it becomes clear how impossible that is. Context is always crucial. And in fact, the, the truth of the matter is there is no such thing as a text without a context. The, the scriptures simply were not inspired to be individual words or individual sentences or individual verses or chapters. They were inspired to be continuous full thought blocks, just as we humans always communicate in, in full thoughts. And those full thoughts are always part of bigger units as well. Context is crucial. All right. Well, uh, up, up after this break, we're going to be hearing from the Iron Preacher to see if he can defeat the challenger, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania. Uh, I do want to let you know that you can call our, our listener response line at 866-851-5523 to get your response from this show. Uh, good, bad, or whatever comments or questions you might have, we're happy to take those at 866-851-5523. You can also check out our website at tabletalkradio.org. And uh, on that website, you have many articles uh, you can read. I think, uh, what, what kind of articles do you have on there, Pastor? You have uh, one about, uh, make, can you make a decision for Christ? And I was thinking, you know, we had to just had the youth gathering, so we have a whole youth gathering survival kit. We got Law and Gospel, <laughs> we got Praise Song Cruncher, we got How to Tell if You're Being Manipulated Emotionally by a Youth Speaker, oh, and yeah, we have nice. Which Ladder up there too. So that's your that right there is your um, uh, youth gathering survival kit. <laughs> that's right. The actually the, the checklist is kind of nifty. You have was it like ten checkoffs or something like that? And uh, as as uh, you're listening to a youth speaker, you kind of check off the ones that apply. So uh, music in the background, check. Um, uh, you Talking talk- about the death of someone you love. Yeah, check. check. So the more checks you have, the more of an indication that you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. All right, uh, that's the end of this segment for Table Talker Radio. But after this, we're going to be hearing the sermon from Pastor Brian Wolfmuller on The Rich Young Ruler. You don't want to go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. <laughs> was the son of a preacher man, the only boy who could ever teach me. Was the 
No offense, but you should listen to Table Talk Radio. Seriously, no offense. He got a new mercy, a new grace. Street corner preacher with the angry face. He got two years off for good behavior. Back in the neighborhood of working for the savior. Well, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Iron Preacher, and it's time for Pastor Wolf Miller's sermon. Uh, we, you know, we one thing that we do when we're um, on the not doing Iron Preacher is we do the, the, the buzzwords. And I forgot to tell people that, that the list of our buzzwords that we use on the air is on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, in case you don't know, the, the buzzwords is where uh, Pastor and I give each other a theological term and uh, we, we try to work it into a, a, our conversation. But there's a nice little glossary of theological words on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, this, this would be great for a car ride. You know, hey, guys, we're going to play buzzwords or something like that. Uh, guess, guess the Table Talk Radio buzzword. Th- these are all games you could play in the car uh, wherever you're going to and from church. <laughs> Didn't we have to warn people about listening to Table Talk Radio while they're driving? Yes, yes. Because, uh, because the caution is... Yeah, people fall asleep fall and all asleep kinds of things. And yeah, that's right. off the road. <laughs> Although, man, that sermon from Pastor Fisk wouldn't put anyone to sleep. Not that was fantastic. No. This Not- is a great thing about Iron Preacher. You get to hear a couple good sermons, at least one today. You get to hear at least one good sermon on the text, a little law and gospel. It's fantastic. All right. Well, let's, let's see if we hear two. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. He's the co-host of Table Talk Radio and pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Pastor, whenever you're ready. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our flesh loves the law. Now, this seems strange to us because we know that the law always kills us. And our, and our flesh doesn't love that kind of law. It doesn't love the kind of law that kills us, that, that brings us to the end of ourselves, that takes us to the end of our rope where we got nothing left. Our, our flesh likes the kind of law that describes our own goodness. And this is exactly how the rich young ruler is. He comes to Jesus and asks, what do I do to be saved? And, and Jesus gives him the law. And the rich young ruler sees this law as a checklist of his accomplishments. Fifth commandment, don't kill. Check. Sixth commandment, don't commit adultery. Check. Seventh commandment, don't steal anything. Check. Eighth commandment, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Check. Fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Check. Love your neighbor as yourself. Check. This man had a checklist of his own goodness. And he loved it. That's why he loves the law. And that's what our flesh loves about the law when it can tell us how good we are. But Jesus is now going to take this man and take the law and take what this guy loves and make it something that he hates, something that destroys him, something that kills him. Jesus says, sell everything you have. and Give the money to the poor. Come follow me. And the man is sad because the law here has exposed his idol his wealth, his possessions. It's shown that he has not been willing to give up everything for the sake of the God who has called him. Now, while the law doesn't apparently do its full and disastrous work of killing this man, he, after all, leaves sad but not repentant, at least not then. The law does do the work on the disciples who are listening. They are brought to despair. 
they hear what Jesus says to this man. They hear the ferocity of the law, and they say, who then can be saved? And that's the right question. This is where the law puts us, where we realize that, that we can't do it, that we can't be good enough, that we can't be holy enough, that we can't be perfect enough, that we cannot accomplish our own salvation. It leads us to complete despair of ourselves. And Jesus says, yes, you've got it, for with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now this, dear friends, is where the law wants us, where we realize that our salvation is absolutely impossible by our own efforts, by our own works, by our own thoughts and desires and actions. Nothing can we do to save ourselves, but with God all things are possible, even our salvation even your salvation, and your salvation is more than possible. It's already accomplished, for Jesus did what the rich young ruler couldn't. He gave up all of his riches, even the glory of his heavenly home. He has given it all up for you on the cross. He has given his life unto death that he might give you to eternal life. Jesus does what is impossible for you, but possible and accomplished by God. He wins your salvation, life eternal, in the forgiveness of all of your sins. May this be your comfort and your peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, that is uh, with about a minute to spare. So thank you, Pastor Wolfmuller, for that sermon. Ooh, and we'll wow. send it over to Dr. Frickincher. Uh Dr. Frickincher, withhold judgment for now, but uh, give your initial critique of Pastor Wolfmuller's sermon. Well, another fine sermon. We did hear two very, very good ones today. Uh, and uh, both had uh, some some strengths. Uh, Brian did some things also that Pastor Fisk did well, and I won't go to those again, like the textuality and so on. But it's some unique things that, that uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller did, I think, that were very, very nicely done. Uh, first of all, uh, t- uh, one phrase that he turned I-, I liked very much. He said, Jesus takes what the rich young man loves and makes it what he hates. Uh, Just clever use of language there that made the point very effectively uh, that he was driving home in the the initial point uh, part of the sermon uh, that the rich young man thought he was checking off the list. Yes, 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 and yes. And that is precisely what we like about the law, the law that makes us feel good by putting us in command and affirming that we really are doing a crackerjack good job. But when the law is brought to its full sternness, then it does become something against which we rebel, something that we hate. And that's exactly what happened here with a rich young man. And I think Pastor Wolf Mueller's language uh, made that uh, rather provocative. The next thing I appreciated in Pastor Wolf Mueller's sermon was a creative twist on the text. Now, the uh, disciples enter into the text late in the game, and certainly th- their uh, involvement is, is significant. But the focus, for the most part, would be on the effect of the law on the rich young man. Uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller says, and I'm not sure I agree with this, he says it doesn't seem that the law has done its full job of killing him. He goes away sad, and I'm not sure from that we can reach the conclusion that he isn't yet uh, uh, driven to desperation. Uh, we, we don't know what the result is going to be. But he, but uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller is certainly right when he says that the result or the effect on the disciples is very clear. 
The job is certainly done effectively on the disciples. Who then can be saved, they ask. And as Pastor Wolf Mueller said, they are driven to full despair, which then opens the door magnificently for Jesus' gospel. That's impossible with man, but with God, it is possible. So I like the creative use of the text as Pastor Wolf Mueller uh, saw the, the, uh, the law that was spoken to the rich young man having a powerful effect on the overhearers. And that actually is often an effective homiletical technique in our own sermons. Sometimes what our people overhear, something that seems directed elsewhere, can be very effective on our, uh, the, the, the people that we really have as immediate hearers. Finally, the last thing that I really appreciated in Pastor Wolfmuller's sermon was his very strong performative language in speaking of the gospel as accomplished. He says, your salvation is accomplished. That, that, that perfect tense to say the salvation that Jesus uh, won on the cross is a done deal. It has been finished. The reason I think that's so powerful is because the gospel is, by nature, performative. By that I mean the gospel actually does what it describes. When we talk about salvation as somewhat detached, it certainly can nevertheless sink into the heart and bring a person to faith. But the gospel doesn't just describe things that are out there that are possibilities. The gospel actually delivers exactly what it promises. When we say salvation is accomplished or salvation has been accomplished, then the the full delivery of that uh, promise has just been made by the words just spoken. I think it is a tremendously valuable preaching element to look our hearers in the eye and tell them what they now do in fact have. That's performative language, and Pastor Wolf Mueller used that very effectively. That, that's a, a, an excellent preaching technique. All right. Well, uh, with, with that then said, Dr. Verkintry, you have about a minute uh, to pronounce your judgment and, and your reason for it. Okay. Uh, again, as I said, we have two very fine sermons here. A congregation would be blessed to hear either of those in the five-minute form or a 15- to 20-minute fleshed-out version as well. I'm going to go actually with the Iron Preacher on this oh, one. Oh, I can't believe it. Uh, no, I, you, you can believe that, Pastor Wolf Mueller. Uh, the, uh, the, I think uh, both sermons did the fundamentals beautifully. Both sermons declared law and gospel very, very clearly. What I really liked, again, was the creative twist on the text. I think that was very helpful. And I really did appreciate the performative language that Pastor Wolf Mueller used that I mentioned last. I think that was kind of the, the, the clincher uh, in, in my judgment, just as uh, we might say it's the clincher in, in, in a, a powerful sermon. And I don't mean uh, that to be manipulative. I don't mean that to, to be like closing the deal. I really do mean it to be that which wonderfully, appropriately climaxes the proclamation of the gospel when we finish by telling our people they now have eternal salvation by what Christ did for them. Dr. Verkincher, thank you so much for coming in studio and, and uh, being our judge for Iron Preacher. All right, when, we're, when we come back from this break, we're going to be spending some time talking with Pastor Fisk um, and uh, we'll continue Table Talk Radio after this. Somebody find me a preacher Somebody find me a man with a Bible who can tie a knot I know what I got, I know who I love 
Somebody find me a preacher. The low-budget alternative to staring at the wall. This <laughs> is Table Talk Radio. That's the sound of Worldview Everlasting, uh, a vlog by Jonathan Fiss, uh, pastor of St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania. We're going to be talking to him about his blog in just a minute. But first, we have a LPG for you. That's a listener participation game. And uh, how this works is we just give you a, a question here in the air, and you send in your answer for a chance to win prizes. Uh, so uh, Pastor Wolfmiller is there with our LPG for this week. Yes, the game is Name That Theologian. So I'm going to give you a quotation here. And then uh, text. You have to do this by text. Yeah, I'll, I'll Text who wrote this sucker or said it, and then uh, and then you win a prize. What do you win, by the way? Uh, I don't know. Something from our miraculous uh, merchandise shop. All right. Now hopefully someone will finally win that uh, Table Talk Radio pregnancy shirt. <laughs> we also have a doggy <laughs> shirt. Do you have, do you have a dog, yeah, Pastor Wolfmiller? No, no. Two cats is enough for me. Okay. Okay, here's the quotation. This point I must unfold more clearly. It may be understood and seen through ordinary counterexamples. Many a person thinks that he has God and everything in abundance when he has money and possessions. He trusts in them, boasts about them with such firmness and assurance as to care for no one. Such a person has a God by the name of mammon, i.e. money and possessions, on which he sets all his heart. This is the most common idol on earth. There you go. All right. If you know the answer to that, there are three ways you can get it to us. The first way is to text it uh, to 69302. Uh, punch in the word table talk first and then your answer, and that'll get sent to us. Or you can call our, our phone number, 866-851-5523, or you can always email it, lpg at tabletalkradio.org. So 69302 is the text number with the keyword table talk first. Altogether, no spaces, or 866-851-5523, or the email is lpg at tabletalkradio.org. All right, we are on the line with Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and he does this uh, Worldview Everlasting uh, blog. I get, I've been calling it a vlog because it's video, but uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, Worldview Everlasting, how people can check it out, Pastor. Yeah, uh, I, I've struggled with what to call it also, and if you want to just talk about what it is, it's kind of a a TV show on YouTube for 10 minutes twice a week. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, YouTube doesn't let you do anything longer. And it started as a video log where I was just kind of recording my thoughts for the day, but uh, it, it, it grew some viewership, and I started adding pictures and stuff, and now it really is a, a, a biweekly show. And on Tuesdays, I'll go over the, uh, the upcoming text for that Sunday and basically preach it. A short sermon, not quite five minutes long, but short sermon for the coming Sunday, and uh, and then on Friday, there's uh, Ask the Pastor 2.0, uh, answering questions of people who write in and also sometimes doing kind of reviews of things. So again, you guys mentioned the National Youth Gathering. This Friday we'll have some video clips from the National Youth Gathering this year, kind of uh, talking about it a little bit and saying, you know, what is this? Uh, is this good? Is this bad? And so forth. Uh, and on two weeks ago, I visited uh, the International House of Prayer, which is this kind of, <laughs> well, thing out in, in, in uh, Kansas City area. Um, and uh, we, you know, showed the video and talked about it and all that. And uh, uh, really, it's an attempt to be entertaining, be a little, bit, a little bit funny, not take yourself too seriously like Table Talk does, uh, but also hear the truth and work on 
thinking with your theology, uh, having a worldview that is founded on Scripture and not on the winds and changes of this age. So you can find it. The best way to find it, you've been given the, 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 the blog in which I kind of upload the videos to, which is worldvieweverlasting.blogspot.com. My YouTube channel is what they call it, youtube.com slash RevFiskJ. That's R-E-V, like Reverend Fisk, and then J is my first name, Jonathan. Um, that'll take you to the channel, and there you can see all the videos. You can see updates and all sorts of other stuff, too. And um, that's probably the, the best way to kind of get a picture of what exactly the thing is. Whatever this new medium YouTube is, it's all still in the works, right? All right. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned this, uh, this inter- International House of Prayer. That's where Evan went to school for his undergrad. <laughs> is not. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, when I first heard about it, it, I just understood it to be this sort of place where we would go worship or pray uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but after learning a little bit more about it, I understand that the, the uh, individual who set this up did it for the, the purpose of, of bringing back uh, Christ to reign on earth. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's what it, it is. His name is Mike Bickle. And, you know, I've not read his work directly, although if you go to the bookshop on campus, there's an entire wall of Mike Bickle's uh, writings. But his eschatology, his, his theology of the end times, is such that uh, Jesus will return when we kind of get him to return by having enough people convert and praise and go on mission trips and, and constantly call him back. Strangely close to the view of eschatology held by the Pharisees. You know, if we can just get righteous enough... The end of the world will come, and we'll have everlasting joy. Um, it's, it's, you know, I hesitate to, to, to speak too deeply about um, the community there, but it's much, much more than just a congregation with 24-hour prayer. I mean, th- that place is its own minor church body, and uh, very, very controlling, I guess would be the, <laughs> uh, the lighthearted way of, of saying it. All what right. about the youth gathering? I'm interested in that. What, uh, <laughs> well, I'm still trying to, to figure out what I'm going to say about it. Um, uh, I can say, you know, I, can, uh, I I was not enheartened by the videos that I've seen coming out of the youth gathering. Um, uh, certainly there are some things there which there's nothing wrong with them, uh, but there are a number of things that there's really not much right with. And uh, it, it bothers me that we treat our youth so frivolously. It's kind of like our show. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, another friend of mine uh, said it this way. I think it's, it's very well. He he is at a congregation where they have had 15 years of, of youth gathering participation as the first year they didn't go, and all of the kids, uh, minus maybe one or two, who have been going to these gatherings are no longer in church. So however much fun it may be and however much the kids coming away from it may be excited about their faith, uh, the foundation of a, uh, a worldview faith is not being engendered by this experience which we are giving them, uh, which I have trouble seeing as anything other than revivalism, if you're familiar with the theology of revivalism and Charles Finney. Uh, it's hard to be revivalistic and Lutheran at the same time, and maybe even impossible. So you know, I'm going to try not to be mean or anything. That's the, the, the show. I don't, I don't do anything to be mean, but I am trying to be funny in the, in the, in the show. And so... Uh, you know, I, uh, sometimes I, I do get a little straight to the punch and, and hit a little hard, um, but I think it's good to get things in the open. You know, I'd rather have a heretic who wants to talk to me about his heresy face-to-face than one who's going to lie about it and pretend like he's saying something he's not. So, yeah, Amen. So I go that way at you. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're, well, in the, in the last uh, three and a half minutes of this program, we are going to be doing some bumper sticker theology with Pastor Fisk, and uh, this is prepared by 
Uh, Pastor Wolfmaner, so so brace yourself. Okay, uh, Pastor Wolfmaner, what do you have? <laughs> so brace yourself. I got all these lists of bumper stickers. I can't remember if we've done them yet or not. So you got to tell me if we've done this. <laughs> Here's one. Did. I've got no problem with God, just as fan club. <laughs> Have All we right. done that one? I don't think so. That's a new one on me. So now we have this, uh, and this is, the, I mean, worldview, the idea, the way you see the world is so important. And we have this ongoing thesis that uh, bumper stickers are manifestations of a worldview. So, uh, so Pastor Fisk, here's the, what do you do with this bumper sticker? I've got no problem with God, just as fan club. What's the worldview working there, and how, how do you respond to that? Yeah, it sounds, well, it sounds like classic liberalism, um, uh, and it, it sounds like it's born out of experience with fundamentalism. Uh, that, that someone has gotten to know some very, very oppressive law-generating Christians who have tried to make them live the righteous life, uh, and as a result, uh, they don't like Christianity, they don't like the Church, but they still want this kind of deistic idea that there is a God, that He's kind of nice and lovey and, and cares about us to some extent, uh, just apart from the Church, because the Church, in this worldview's uh, point of view, or the way they see it, the Church is a place for hypocrites to go and pretend that they're good people. Uh, and that's that's kind of what liberalism does. It dampens the the church, uh, but tries to play up a god without words, so to speak, a god without truth. Um, <laughs> uh, that would that's be my perfect. guess on, on what's there. Yeah, so. that's. I mean, this is terrible. You know, this idea that. Uh, th- this kind of modern theological conception of God is just that he's a nice guy, and so we better keep him quiet because you know you know this trick you, you know if you want to if you want to seem smart then you don't say anything at all. That's one of the proverbs because if you open your mouth you show yourself to be the fool. And and this is how uh, this is kind of how liberalism treats God. It's like oh just keep it quiet. You know we don't actually want to hear what you have to say because as soon as God opens his mouth he shows himself to be for example mad at sin, <laughs> which is what we hate. Ugh. Our flesh, anyways. <laughs> All right, here's another one. You want another one? Uh, 200 points, yeah, yeah, by the please. way, for that. Just about a minute here. Okay, here's a quick one. Uh, Jesus called. He wants his religion back. <laughs> <laughs> that one might yeah. be similar. What do you think, Pastor Fisk? Yeah, I think it's the same worldview. Um, uh, uh, people think that Jesus is not the one that the fundamentalist American evangelicalism and I don't mean, you know, just those who believe in the Bible, but, but those who have understood the Bible mainly in terms of law, um, that Jesus is not their religion, that the real Jesus was something different. And this fills into the liberal view of Jesus as revolutionary, Jesus as social change agent. Um, and, but so, you know, stop pretending you're a follower of him because all you are is a bunch of hypocrites. That's kind of the liberal view. Um, I, I'm going to throw a bumper sticker at you, though. I, I, I thought you were going to say this, because I really like this one. It's, um, I found Jesus. He was under the bread and wine all the time. Oh, oh nice. That was a, that's a nice bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Pastor Fist, thank you so much for being on Table Talk Radio, and keep up the good work over there at uh, Worldview Everlasting. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. You, you can check out our website by going to tabletalkradio.org. We also have Table Scraps, which is a additional uh, interviews that we do that don't make it on the regular broadcast. It's only available on the website. So that's at tabletalkradio.org. Click on Table Scraps. We have our podcast there, too. Uh, you can check that out. Thank you all for listening to this edition with Iron Preacher on Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a good night's sleep at a youth lock-in. <laughs> they just don't exist. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to 
question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.